0: Welcome to Saving the Game. This is Episode 51, Nonviolent Conflict Resolution, recorded Thursday, November 13th of 2014, with your hosts Grant, Peter, Brandon, and Devin. Welcome to Saving
1: the Game. I'm Grant. I'm Peter. Oh, I'm
2: Mickey Mouse. Ha-ha.
1: I'm Devin. That would also be known as Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that's Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's gonna be one of those.
0: All right, so we got Devin here. Devin, introduce yourself. Hello,
3: I'm Devin from the Sharkbone podcast. Uh, you may or may not have heard of me. Uh, if you have heard of me, that's awesome. And if not, well, hi, how you doing? I'm Devin. I'm from the Sharkbone podcast.
2: I've never heard of you or your awesome podcast. Please tell our listeners about your awesome yeah. podcast. All right.
0: There is a chance, of course, that someone is listening to this show for the first time and may not I have know. heard of Sharkbone, like all right-thinking Saving the Game listeners have heard of Sharkbone. Yeah,
1: despite the fact that we probably mention Sharkbone at least
3: once every five episodes or so. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess I haven't been listening to you guys long enough to have heard that. That's awesome. Thanks.
1: <laughs> it may or may not make the final um, edit, but we Grant and I, in particular, are big fans. That's good. I am happy to hear that.
2: I like you, too.
0: See, there you go. Awesome. So, if someone hasn't heard of Sharkbone, tell us about
3: it and tell us what y'all do. Uh, Sharkbone is a feeding frenzy of RPG ideas. That is the tagline, and I try and make it that all the time. The original Sharkbone podcast was all about pulling story inspiration from popular media, mainly movies, and then we would also discuss a mechanic from a game and how you could hack that into whatever system you're you're doing. That show has ended. It ran for 200 episodes over four years. And I've recently just started another one that is a world building podcast that is still all about the gaming ideas and ever, all the details that are created in each episode are then put into a wiki for easy consumption and reference during games should a game master decide to use it.
0: Which is just as awesome as the original format. Well, thank yeah. you. So, if somebody wants
3: to go find this, where can they go? All you got to do is point your browser over to sharkbonepodcast.com and it's all there.
1: Okay, cool. Just a quick note, listeners. I think, um, you know, we're all gushing and it's it's definitely warranted. Um, I would say Sharkbone is probably one of the two top podcasts you should be listening to for stuff that you're immediately going to want to stick into your game. The other, interestingly enough, is Kartas. Um, Ken Heights podcast, and we had him on a couple episodes. So if you aren't listening to Kartos and Sharkbone, you should be.
2: Oh, look at us listening to our heroes and having them on our show. It's almost like we're actually real podcasters.
0: <laughs> close. We're getting close, I'm telling you. Well, <laughs> wow. Uh,
3: thank you. Being paired with uh, Ken Height is an honor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sharkbone's one of those shows where every time I listen, I come away from the episode saying, Oh, man, I am really excited to put that in my game. Every single episode. It's a high bar to clear, but y'all do it every time.
1: Yeah.
3: Uh, well, thank so, you. That's excellent, what you know, we're aiming for.
1: Excellent job on a podcast, and we're happy to have you on ours. So, yep. So, I did have another question for you, Devin. Uh-huh. Um,
3: where'd you get the name for Sharkbone? Oh. <laughs> this has
0: been bothering me yeah, for I've ages. I don't know.
3: Too, actually. Well, it's kind of Funny. I was. Uh, I wanted a name that was going to be different enough that it was going to stick in people's heads. And anyone who knows me knows I am a huge shark fan. Like, Shark <laughs> Week is like my Easter week. Uh, I love Shark <laughs> Week. I love sharks. They've always fascinated me. And so I was like, it's got to be something sharks. Something shark that's going to stick in people's head. And At first I was going to go with Shark Tank, but that was already taken. So uh, I was driving down the strip here in Vegas, and I saw uh, some sign. I don't remember what it was, but it had bone on it. And I had shark going through my head, and I was like, shark this, shark this, shark bone. Shark bone, that sounds really awesome. So Especially that's, since sharks don't have bones.
1: <laughs> okay, there you go. Interestingly, you've also created something that's like a hen's tooth, right? Because sharks don't actually have solid bones? Yep.
3: they uh, The only thing that sticks around after a shark is gone is the jaw. So that's the only thing they've got this close to bone. So
0: that would be the shark bone.
3: That is the shark bone, yep. Ah!
0: Cool. All right, and you also wanted to talk to us about uh, Threshold, Tragic Superheroes.
3: Yeah, you asked me to plug something, and I am always happy to talk about and plug that game. It's uh, my first role-playing game that I designed, developed, and published. Uh, Very rules-like game about dying superheroes. And uh, I have a lot of fun running it and uh, playing it every time I get to. And uh, it's just a really fun little game that I thought that maybe people would want to try.
0: And that's available through uh, drive through stuff. Yep. And I will put a show a link to it in the show notes. So if anybody wants to take a look at that, I know I will. Go to our website, savingthegamepodcast.org, find the episode, click on that, and check out Threshold. That sounds neat. That does sound
1: really cool. I'll have to give that a shot myself here.
0: All right, well let's uh, let's jump right into our scripture, shall we? Actually, we have one more piece of news. Oh yes, we do. Ha! Wow, look at me. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did want to plug our charity drive that we're doing this year. Uh, we are once again raising money for the Bodana Group, friends of ours from last year. We raised money for them last year too. And the Bodana Group, for those who don't know, who might be tuning in for the first time because you've wanted to hear more Devin, understandable The Bodana Group is an organization charitable organization that works with youth who are victims of sexual abuse or are themselves sexual abusers and also works with caregivers first responders teachers anybody whose job it is to give care to others in society Uh, works with them on compassion fatigue and dealing with their stressful jobs And the reason that we're so excited to support them is that one of the main tools they use for helping kids and caregivers with these problems that they have is tabletop role-playing games. So go to our website. You'll see a big link to the the fundraiser over there. Uh, If you want to listen to episode 25 where we interviewed the executive director of the Bodana Group, Jack Birkenstock, I'd encourage you to do so. It's a really cool episode. We learned a lot. And if you want to go straight to our fundraiser page, go to com slash story slash STG 2014. Again, that'll be linked in the show notes, but do check it out. Help us support them this year. It's going to be a good year for them if we can help them out. And they're a great cause and well worth backing. Trust me.
1: And they're really nice people too. We've oh, yeah. we've met a bunch of them. Brandon has met some of them face to face. Yep. So
2: Save against fear expo. I'm going to be there again. Yeah. Everyone needs to go.
0: It sounded awesome, and I'm terribly jealous and seeing if I can make it happen next year. <laughs> uh, all right. So, charity, important. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, scripture, also important. Let's talk scripture and uh, do the readings we've got here, shall we? Who wants to take Jeremiah?
2: I'll do it. Jeremiah 29, verse 7. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile pray to the lord for it because if it prospers you too will prosper
0: and our next one is matthew twenty-six forty-seven to 54 while he was still speaking judas one of the 12 arrived with him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them the one i kiss is the man arrest him going at once to jesus judas said greetings rabbi and kissed him Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Then the men stepped forward, seized Jesus, and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than twelve legions of angels? But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say it must happen in this way?
3: John thirteen thirty four to thirty five, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another.
1: And the last one we have here is First Peter three nine to eleven, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For Whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. So,
0: Devin wanted to talk to us and with us about nonviolent conflict resolution. Devin, why do you like this topic so much? Because I know it comes up a lot on Sharkbone.
3: It does. We've discussed it a lot on the old Sharkbone show, so um, you could probably pick any random episode and it would come up at some point. But one of the things that I love so much about it is that it allows you to kind of dig into the story a little bit more and actually experience it rather than just sitting back and narrating combat and think- seeing what happens. It's To me, it I connect with it more when uh, there are conflicts that you can't solve at the edge of a blade. Okay.
2: True, but then you just throw magic at that, those I'm uh joking, of course, I'm actually a huge fan of uh, non-violent, non-combat resolutions to conflicts because I think they add a whole lot more to stories than combat ever really does.
3: Uh, yeah, generally, I, I agree with that. Non-violent approaches to resolving conflicts I think also adds to the tension. Uh, you can have more tension in the game than you can when you're in combat.
2: Oh yeah, as someone who has played a bard, in a lot of dungeon crawls, there have been plenty of times where the tensest moment is when we look and see the monsters in there and I go, well yeah, I speak their language and the first thing I do is I step in the door and I greet them and the GM gets to decide whether they talk to me or run at me with swords.
3: I love bards. And- <laughs> 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 it,
2: it is it is like because the rest of the party is going, are we going to have to rush in there and save the bard or is the bard going to pull this one off? And it's always fun Mm because sometimes one happens and sometimes the other.
1: Well, and we've noticed that in our Shadowrun group. We have an unusually ethical and gentle team of Shadowrunners. Yeah, despite my best
0: efforts as the GM. So um,
1: (laughs) we we have a tendency to kind of sit down and be like, all right, this facility that we need something out of is being worked and guarded by normal innocent people with jobs that really would probably rather not be shot up and traumatized and fired for stuff. So how can we get in there, do what we need to do, and get out with as as little disruption to their lives as possible? And honestly, putting that constraint on ourselves has made for some really awesome runs.
2: Well, <laughs> it, it also helps build your rep as runners. I mean, if you're runners who get the job done cleanly, from my vague uh, vague notion of Shadowrun, that'd be something that a lot of Johnsons are looking for. Is Oh, wait, this is the runs. They're going to get in. They're going to not be noticed. Yeah. Like, they're going to get out. Oh, my gosh, this is the perfect team I want. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and more than that, it lets you build a relationship with the people that are there in that encounter. Let, let's call it an encounter just for the sake of yeah. argument. You know, if you go into it just purely with, Saying, "Oh, look! This is a an encounter, and I have these combat stats. These are the solution I have." You can't then come back and say, "Hey, can y'all do me a solid here?" The characters can't expand their network of relationships and contacts,
3: right? Because you've killed everybody,
1: (laughs) yeah,
0: or at the very least, made a bunch of enemies.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, heck, one of the one of the NPCs that we probably could have just shot our way through is maybe ascending to player character status at some point.
3: I'm glad that you brought up the drama because um, non-violence it does it opens the door for so much drama because even if you do make an enemy uh, using nonviolent methods of getting past whatever obstacle that you have, that obstacle that person is still around because you didn't slit his throat and stuff his body into a cabinet. You know, he's still around <laughs> yeah. and he remembers that you conned him into stepping away from his post so you could go in and steal whatever you were stealing in that sh- in that run that you were making. So yeah. he's got your number and he's looking for you and that adds interest to the game.
1: Or perhaps they remember that you allowed her to get some petty revenge on her tyrannical boss under a mask as part of the run. Yeah, that's that <laughs> not did that did an that actual, actual example or anything. No, no. No, not at all. That's
0: not at all a <laughs> character who we're going to turn into a PC at some point.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. HR people are repressed, is all I'm saying.
2: D- depending right. on when you play, I might actually. <laughs> that sounds like an interesting character.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's already claimed, unfortunately. but Yeah. Uh, ah. yeah. It was fun, but but that's the thing. It's in this particular scenario that I'm that we're kind of talking about here. Uh, the player character said, "What can we do to not shoot anyone? Let's do this as silently as possible." And in doing so, it was, "Hey, let's just go talk to the HR person and she see if she will let us beat up her boss." <laughs> And the answer was,
1: can I help? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the answer was actually something closer to not unless I get to help, but. Well, yeah, but, you know, if they had
0: just gone in guns blazing, you guys would never have had that moment.
1: No, yeah. or several other equally awesome ones afterwards. Right. Um, it's a very creative solution. And that's
0: one of the things I like about trying to, to encourage nonviolent solutions to problems in games. And, and, I think it's important to emphasize that the reason we have to talk about non-violent solutions is that so much of almost all RPG systems involves combat. Uh, it's, it's a big chunk of most books. Combat, D&D is supposedly very bad about this. Most of that is actually magic, but about half of the spells in the back of the player's handbook are combat spells. It's a big chunk Of the text and the rules of a book, because that's where we need the most rules in most cases. Talking doesn't need too many rules, surprisingly enough, because we can just do that at the table. It's very difficult to shoot guns at each other. And you
3: want to have rules on it.
0: Well, there there are
3: some who do, but... Uh, Let me say, Duel of Wits, man. Duel of Wits is where it's at.
0: All right, all right. I, I will grant you that. And I have not played systems that have that. So
1: maybe yeah, I can't speak it, it to it too much. It definitely was fun when I played it at Fear the Con Seven. I'm not sure I would want to try and wedge that into every conversation that I did in a game, but it was it was certainly good for. <laughs> oh yeah, it was certainly good for that game.
2: Well, as someone who has run Fate and Dresden mostly, they have the social combat thing where where you're talking with someone, you're making attacks against them. Actually, in the last game, uh, we had kind of an incident with that where a group of players actually not the last game, I think it was the game before that they were trying to get into talk with a little girl who was in a foster family and uh, one of the players had a negative relationship with the people who were doing the fostering and
1: mm-hmm. it
2: actually just so happened that the reason he was going is because every other person who had went had basically failed so it was down to him.
3: <laughs> to stuff. go
2: in, and him and this other person had to go in, and they had to come up with a situation, and they were talking about, okay, well, well I'm going to distract him, and you, who is the girl, you go see if you can, like, interact with the kids, because it be, it's going to be far less creepy if you as a woman want to go and, you know, talk to kids than me as a guy who they don't like saying start talking about their kids. And... <laughs> Yeah. And they had to cre- create this whole, you know, thing where they had to like convince the family, no, no, we want to be let in, do this whole thing. Uh, it was, what was hilarious is they, uh, the guy who was in the room with the person he hated was nearly talked into selling his business to the guy because of how poorly his combat roles went in social combat. But it was just a really interesting scene that played out there.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, you, you get, more out of that than you do out of, all right, and um, I took some hit point damage.
2: Yeah. And
1: now everything's dead. <laughs> well, and I think also, just from a GM standpoint, it's really nice to be able to reuse NPCs every once in a while. Oh, yeah, it I'll is. I'll tell you that's true. Devin, you've actually got some uh, some bullet points here in the outline that I'd like to hear you speak to some more. Can you start breaking some of the stuff down? The one I'd like to hear some more detail about
3: is your one about story pacing here. Uh, Yeah. When you're using nonviolent conflict resolution, the s- story tends to move more quickly because, you know, just like we we mentioned before, a lot of the rules are focused on combat. And so when you're engaging rules more, uh, play tends to slow down a little bit.
2: Well, because there's all that dice rolling.
3: Yeah, but, uh, like even, even with the dice rolling, you're, you're focusing down on little slices of time. And when you're in combat, sl- the slices of time are between three and six seconds. Whereas when you're doing something that's talky, uh, you are having 10 to 12 second slices of time. And people talk all the time. They talk all day. They talk every day. So they know exactly how to get go how to do it back and forth even if they need to stop and roll some dice every now and then the the story just moves more quickly which is fun or it could be very bad depending on how much you prepped for that night
0: and that is i think one of the reasons sometimes gm's default to combat they have to write less story every night and, and that sounds kind of cynical but i've done it
3: oh yeah i think i think we've all done it a time or two
1: yeah i mean if you're if you're in a bind you've run out of material you can always do the oh which author was it have two men with guns kick in the door yeah Mm -hmm. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: don't remember exactly what it was but very similar sort of thing all right and um we're gonna have a fight and i'm gonna grab some monster stat blocks out of the monster manual here and but oh good i don't have to think anymore
2: (laughs) see like in the time i've been playing pathfinder i've actually found the opposite to be true i found that it's really hard for me to throw combat into a system because I know it less but like throwing in a non-combat situation like alright so they go into town what problem they are they going to face well maybe there's this this argument going back and forth between these people and okay well, well then I have a session planned around that mm-hmm. because I can then just follow what they run into and or like a whole bunch of other side stories to throw at them and we're good but if I have to plan a dungeon, oh my gosh, it's the most tedious thing in the world. Where are all the monsters going to be? Where's all the treasure? Oh my gosh, I want to yeah, pull out no. my hair. I can still yeah. like No, no, just... Well, pe- the, the, the trick there
0: is to yeah. use incredibly detailed, tedious combat systems, so you really only have to plan <laughs> one encounter.
1: Well, and then at that point, if your players fall asleep, you can call the game early and it w- wait, no, that's not a good Problem thing. solved.
3: You know... The, the nonviolent encounters is a, a great tool to have in your toolbox. Because mm-hmm. in game systems where you don't have something like a monster manual... That's where you need to go when you have to improv something. Uh, when you've finished everything, you've prepped for the night, and you've still got 45 minutes on the clock, you know, and everyone's really enjoying the game, and you know that if you say, all right, guys, that's it, then they're all gonna feel cheated a little bit, you know? Then you could reach into your pouch and you could pull out this nonviolent encounter and say, all right, this is what's going on. But like D yeah, and Pathfinder, that's when the
1: drone rigger stands around and watches people in plaid latex wander past. Grant, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> is that another? Sorry, Devin, thing? Continue. It was just too perfect. Plaid latex. Yeah.
0: that was. That's weird. I found an actual picture to send them.
2: It was then sent to me. It is weird. I, don't. Don't, yeah. don't let them fool you. It was weird. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there is
3: going to be a Google search later because that's just Fair one enough. of those things that I'm going to have to see.
1: You're
2: welcome.
0: (laughs) All right. We may have just lost our clean rating for the episode by inference, but hey, all right. The other thing that's interesting about nonviolent conflict resolution is that typically I think combat is a mechanical challenge for the character and non-combat encounters where it's a puzzle, a conversation, something to figure out is much more of a challenge for... The players. Oh, yeah. And that's not a hundred percent true either way. Uh there's plenty of room for tactics in miniatures combat, there's plenty of times characters' statistics and maybe more importantly, what the character will and won't do, their personality, affects that. But by and large I think that's kind of a divide that does exist. Does anybody terribly disagree or
3: No, no. I, I was just gonna say, uh generally, which do you think is more satisfying for the player? For the player to actually figure something out and say, hey, I took A and C and figured out B. Or is it them having an epic dice roll and using a feat that they have on their character sheet uh, Mm -hmm. to slaughter a big bad, you know?
1: Well, that depends on the player. Yeah. It also depends on how stressful a day the player had at work.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. As somebody who was, you know, the dice roll guy for a long period of time, I'll tell you, It's a different kind of reward because it rewards all the work I'd put into the character mechanics ahead of time. But figuring out something in play is, I think, more satisfying overall, at least for me.
3: At the very least, I think they're equal. So as GMs, we should be focusing as much time on that as we do on uh, the combat and the stats.
1: I think it's definitely a way of avoiding letting things get stale. Mm-hmm. No,
0: no question. All right. So we've talked about what it is and why it's good. How do we get more of it? Because, like we said before, we tend to, in most games, violent conflict resolution, you know, a, all right, let's roll initiative, is pretty common. So how do we encourage more of this?
2: Well, as I've said here, one of the best ways that I've done it is just put my players up against Situations where drawing steel and, you know, throwing fireballs is the worst possible solution, and everyone knows it. You put them around a whole bunch of oil drums or whatever, and the oil drums can be dressed like guards, or they can be dressed like a a huge monster which will eat them if it's attacked, or any kind of situation where loud, noisy combat will obviously lead to bad things, and then you just you put the players around something that lets them know, hey, maybe trying talking will work. And also, uh, just going out to the players and going, you know, maybe trying talking. I mean, yeah, you can draw steel and throw magic and do a whole bunch of other really terrible things here to these, you know, shopkeepers who are not wanting to give you the item that you want, or we can try conversating, and you can try convincing them, or you could try figuring out what they want in this bargain, and giving it to them, and then they'll give you what you want, and everyone will go home happy, and no one will go home dead or in jail. Because, yeah, you can probably take those two guards over there, the problem is you aren't going to be taking those two guards, you're going to be taking the city, because those two guards are going to call for more guards. (laughs) (laughs) and then those more guards are going to keep calling for more guards and everyone else is going to run away.
0: Yeah. It's one of the reasons I like legend of the five rings so much. It's a game about warriors by and large who have a code of honor that is incredibly important. And the vast majority of that code of honor is let's not draw swords in this situation, because that would be a terrible idea. It's a, combat game where exacting details of tea ceremonies and how deep to bow are important. And it's, (laughs) it's a fun challenge for, because most people, myself included, enjoy playing characters who are the bull in the China shop. Uh And it's a fun challenge. The fact that it is a challenge is what makes it fun. How do we play this out and, you know, balance this tension between I'm a big tough warrior dude. And, I need to get this exactly right, or things are going to go terribly badly for me, my family, and the person I owe my allegiance to.
2: Yeah. Monster Hearts is the reason that I am falling in love with it, because Monster Hearts is all about non-combat situations. I mean, if you look at the moves you have, uh, at the very beginning, three of the moves are social in nature. One of the moves is fighting. Uh, and the other move is running away. And those two moves are only on one stat. So right. <laughs> most of your stats have to do with out-of-combat stuff. One of your stats is how well do you punch things? How do we, how well do you run away from things that are trying to punch you? Yeah. All right. So here's another
0: another way to do this that I think is pretty good. And it's kind of obvious. It's presenting your group of players with a problem where violence just doesn't work. Like, hey, let's stab a... Starving village. Uh, if we're
1: trying to fix the starvation, that doesn't <laughs> close the tsunami.
2: Well, well, yeah. well. You can and probably stab earthquake. your way. You you, <laughs> you can probably stab your way to solving the starving village problem. The thing is, you've just massacred a village. Congratulations, your evil characters, and now you have a whole bunch of other problems.
0: Or you have stolen a great large quantity of food from people who will probably be angry about it. Yeah. 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 But solving problems that are simply not combat opponents works fine. But the question is, how do we encourage that? I mean, yes, we can say, oh, yeah, we should put that in our game. But how do we get there?
3: I think a great way to encourage it is to until your players get used to thinking about uh, nonviolent ways to overcome challenges, because let's face it, most RPGs say, hey, here's this problem, hit it with your sword, shoot it. You know, mm-hmm. and it'll go away. So the way to, to get them to stop thinking about that as their first option is to, I think, spell out the consequences to what's going to happen if they do stab somebody, if they do shoot somebody. Just like, uh, hey, um, this this issue is going on. If you draw a pistol, maybe that lady standing over there uh, is going to get a stray round, you know. Are you willing to go that far? Right. Yeah.
2: Well, you let them know, hey, well, why don't you go out in the middle of the day in your own personal life and draw guns on people who you don't like? Well, (laughs) the answer is because cops (laughs) exist. like Because there's someone bigger and more powerful than you. Uh, And so that's that's sort of a good way to, I think, set the story is there are things out there that are going to enforce the law. They are more powerful than you uh, because there are either so many of them or they have champions who are as powerful, if not more powerful than you.
0: Yeah. And that's the stick approach. I think equally important is the the, the carrot, carrot here. When the players try a non violent solution to a problem, let it succeed.
2: Oh yeah. If it has any variable of success, you need to let it succeed because unless it's like, well, I'm going to go up and I'm going to hug the basilisk. No, right. that, that one, I, that one won't work, but
0: within a certain <laughs> amount of reason, obviously, but, I would say I would try and stretch things a little bit early on in the game. If I, if this is something I want to encourage the first session or two really needs to set a tone for the game. And if the first session or two, and again, this is a mistake I have made myself. If the first session or two is, and we're in combat. Hooray. Dice. Well, guess what the rest of the game is going to
3: be.
2: Dice.
0: And and was until the game fell apart because everyone was bored. (laughs) Um,
3: You know, Another way that you can encourage it is to introduce your big bads early on and make the PCs fall in love with them. Uh, Say, hey, that guy's really not that bad. That guy's cool. We want to see him around more. And then when it's revealed that oh, 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 he's the one trying to summon Cthulhu back into the world, uh, then they might be a little more circumspect in how they handle the guy.
0: Oh, see, that is not true of my past couple of groups. Past couple of groups. With maybe the exception of the one Peters and right now, well, you know would go what that jerk <laughs> encouraging well, it 's time for him to have horrible things happen to encouraging him. it is not the same as
3: forcing it
2: well, well no, see for me, my carrot is you give them something to care about more than just gold and treasure and killing things
1: right sure. like, I XP. mean that worked really well in the shadow run group. The yeah. reason why the first run that we keep alluding to went over in such a nonviolent fashion is at the beginning of it, our party went in and cased the place. And they did that by coming in as temp workers and working a shift there. And in the process of doing that, Grant kind of introduced us to all of these very likable and ordinary sorts of people that were just trying to make their way in the world. And we kind of came out and sat down and we're like, let's not forget the jerk. Well, yes. <laughs> and the jerk who happens to be over of all of them. Yes. And we all kind of, Came back from the intelligence gathering mission and sat down and were like, All right, there's this whole factory full of all of these decent working people with this tyrannical boss. And all we need to do is alter the flavor on some soft drinks that are being made there. How can we improve the lot of everybody else and screw over the boss as badly as possible?
0: Yeah. Yeah, And the answer was forklift dancing. But, you know, (laughs) you guys have some weird games yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hackers love warehouses full of forklifts is really what it comes down to you know uh,
2: i I heard they were catching rhinos in the next game, so it's...
0: technically prehistoric rhinos but yeah right.
2: yeah
3: you you said um dancing forklifts, and somebody recently just mentioned the forklift to me in uh the aliens movie or whatever it was and so mm-hmm. now I have this image of that big land loader robot mm-hmm. dancing with the xenomorph which is really <laughs> weird
0: think uh, synchronized forklift ballet
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was an amazing distraction
0: wow. i'll tell you that you,
1: you, you want to well, know what's let's hilarious? not forget
0: where the name for the program came well, from yes either. but that we is definitely something we cannot link to in this show <laughs> no
2: <laughs> yeah. all you, right you, you want to know what's hilarious is that actually happens around here where i live there are no. tractor dances
0: I am not surprised. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome to Maryland, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's try and pull this away from forklifts somehow. (laughs) So there are a bunch of obstacles to nonviolent conflict resolution. We've hit on some. What are some
1: others that we need to be aware of if we want to encourage this? And how do we get over them? Well, there's GM created ones, and I've been guilty of this before. Um, Just the... Ah, eh, they're just goblins, they attack you and don't listen, kind yeah. of approach, where you've got some monster, or maybe it's not even smart enough to talk to, and it just charges, and it's all claws and teeth, and mm-hmm. what are yeah. you going to do? Yeah,
0: know? right. And, and, you know, as a one among a number of encounters, that's perfectly fine for contrast, if nothing else. But if that's everything, what's the point in trying to talk? What's the point in looking for other solutions?
2: And it's particularly worse when it's intelligent creatures. Mm -hmm. I've had games where we had a party member go in, knock on a door in a dungeon that we knew goblins were on the other side to throw them off about what was going on. They open the door, we hold up booze, and we had a party. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) with these goblins and that let us get some, you know, more information about what was going on in the dungeon and things like that. And then their boss was coming and we went out the back door.
3: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that comes back to uh, the comment that someone made earlier about if someone tries something that's not violent to let it succeed. Uh, And I think Mm -hmm. that even if combat is imminent and someone comes up with a really awesome idea or a really novel idea to avoid combat, then give it a chance. Uh, Even if this is like, your big bad encounter where you're like, this is the this is the boss. This is the the last encounter of the night. If someone comes up with an awesome way to say, hey, big boss, we don't have to fight. We can go this way. Then give it a chance to succeed. Let them roll their skill. It might be really hard yeah. where you penalize them, but give them a chance.
0: Yeah. And oh, yeah. I would say more than that, don't pretend that there is a chance for that to work. And then no matter what actually happens... Keep going in the direction you were planning on with the combat of the night, because that is railroading. That is a, an illusion of choice, right? Uh, I was reading a, a really good article about this today, and I, that's why I want to bring this up. It's uh, by Will Hindmarch sword fighting on a roller coaster. I'll link to it in the show notes. And he's talking about basically when the player's decision gets replaced by the GM's decision. That's railroading and that teaches people to not try and decide
1: to try and do anything different.
3: Hmm.
0: Which is
1: what we're talking about here. Yeah. Well, and I think one other thing to to keep in mind is when a nonviolent solution works, it generally tends to make for a better story afterwards than just another fight does. I mean, we've we've told several just throughout the course of this podcast episode because they're they're interesting and they're fun and they're funny and it's, you know, it gives you kind of more shared memories as a group, which I think mm-hmm. helps with the group dynamic and keeps the campaign alive.
0: Yeah, yeah, we talk about gaming stories typically as a bad thing, right? Oh, you know, no, don't tell gaming stories. Well, telling combat stories, it's boring. And then I hit him with my axe and it was awesome. <laughs> I rolled a 20. But- a 20. Can you believe that? I did so much damage, <laughs> guys. It was great. But yeah, we caused forklifts to do an intricate ballet on the floor and distracted them. That's the kind of that's an engaging, funny story, <laughs> you know,
2: I mean, yeah, like comments like it's like, OK, maybe if it's a tense situation like we were out there, I was the last man up and I threw my axe at him and it just boom, you know, yeah,
0: yeah. Like, but even then, while well, all you're describing is I had good dice.
3: You know, I just had a thought. Even if, if you have a plan that uh, you've got a big combat going on and they come up with an idea to skirt past that combat and you're like, oh, well, they're not going to succeed. And you give them a chance and they succeed. That doesn't mean that combat never has to happen. It just means that that combat is not happening right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. They might leave and then that person realizes that they got the wool pulled over their eyes and they're like, oh, I'm so angry, and then he goes after oh. him, and that makes for fun story.
2: Oh, yeah, like in my games, there have been a whole bunch of things where, like, succeeding in non-combat doesn't mean that you just plain win and get everything you want. Like, mm-hmm. there can be consequences to it, and there can even be things where you look like you succeeded, but you actually failed. In In the Y2112 game, there was a necromancer that they absolutely did not want to come to their town and ended up a- and practice necromancy. The thing is, in the argument that they were having with the necromancer, the necromancer asked one key key question. Are you guys in charge of the town? And when they said, well, no, we aren't, she said, fine, I'll agree to absolutely everything you want. Because she knew as soon as she gets there without them, well, then she talks to the person who's in charge and she goes over their heads. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, this this situation is resolved. I'll do everything you want. And she was lying to them. And then she lied to the main guy and got everything she wanted. And hilarity ensued.
1: Well, and I yeah. think that goes back to another important point, which is that the villains can use the same nonviolent techniques that the player characters can. To use a somewhat imperfect example, but it's one that's in my head because I've been watching the show, the Penguin in Gotham doesn't get into fights with people. He's murdered a, a number of people in the show, but he's not a warrior. He lacks that skill set and that bunch of capabilities. Doesn't mean he's not extraordinarily dangerous. Uh, he's a manipulator. He's, um, he's good at gathering intelligence. He's got very good instincts. Makes him a very interesting bad guy.
0: No, it's, it's true. And of course, if this is a dungeon-crawly sort of adventure... Just because you found a a way to get past a particular encounter without breaking out your swords and spells or what have you on the way in doesn't mean you're going to be as successful on the way out.
2: Well, I actually thinking about the penguin and minor spoiler. He actually solves a a situation in a very interesting way where he's having a problem with the guy and like the dude is looks like the dude is going to have him killed. And then all of a sudden the penguin goes, you know, you have one problem. And he's like, well, what's that problem? You don't pay your men enough. And it turns out that he's bribed the other guys, and they're actually on the Penguin side.
0: Yeah. I don't know that I've ever seen players say, well, what if we just pay you to go away?
2: (laughs) Of course not.
0: think about how well that would work.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Then they'd have to spend their hard-earned gold. No player wants to do that. I do. This actually reminds
2: me. Of I believe Zombie Orpheus did actually a series called Natural One, which was this story about them playing Shadowrun. It was also about a new guy and this whole other thing. It's a really great uh, thing that I was shown. Uh, but in the series, the guy is new, and so he doesn't know how to make a character. And so all he does is put all of his points into resources, which gives him a ridiculous amount of money. And as soon as that happened, I said, he's won. Because, yeah. like, the little I've known about Shadowrun is if you have all the money, <laughs> you're good.
3: Unless you're playing a game of Orpheus where all of your opponents are dead. Then they don't care about money.
2: <laughs> true, but they That's were playing true. Shadowrun. In which case, if you have all the money. <laughs> yeah.
0: And, I mean, you know, it's one solution in the toolbox.
1: I, yeah. Obviously, you know,
0: a bunch of undead or automatons aren't going to be bribeable. But a dragon? Maybe. Oh, yeah.
1: Although you'd better have a lot
0: to bribe a dragon well, it's gonna with. Take a lot. Or something
3: really special.
0: It's a lot in terms of either quality or quantity.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what if we just Hey, we need to get through these brigands on the road. What if we just gave you some money? <laughs> I don't want to kill you, and you don't want to be dead. Let's not trust this to who's gonna stab
2: who and here's some money. Yeah.
3: Yeah, if it's and enough, we're gonna
0: go on our way. Yeah,
3: they'll back off. Or
2: they could attack. Like that it is possible that them going, well, let's give you some money. Well, we want all your money.
0: Well, here's the thing, though. Yeah. I think it's important, and this is maybe my last bit of advice on how to encourage nonviolent conflict resolution. It's important to have NPCs who are people to interact with rather than obstacles to overcome. If you think about how a person in that situation is going to react, they're going to say, I don't have to risk dying today. I got paid.
1: Yeah, and I mean- If you're looking at, like, you know, to use a setting example from earlier, a huge crab clan samurai standing there, you know, with his tetsubo across his shoulder just kind of casually, the bandit's going to be like, they're paying us to go away. I really don't want to fight that guy. That looks (laughs) like it would result in a lot of very painful broken bones even if we won.
2: Oh, and that's like yeah. a whole bunch of intimidation checks or whatever is, well, it you know, might not even there. be that.
1: It might just be a,
0: a quick diplomacy check to be like, listen, how about nobody dies today? You don't starve this week and we get where we're going. Win, win, yeah. win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, And that works out. And maybe yeah. you make an enemy of the bandit boss who is greedy enough to try to encourage his men to fight. Hey, look, story and relationships and drama.
1: Or you could always do the Malcolm Reynolds and Jane Cobb thing. Zoe, <laughs> I pay you too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, oh,
2: yeah, or or you make an ally of, oh, well, we've got a group of bandits. Well, they're probably not going to rob us, but we might have to pay some sort of toll. Like, all right, mm-hmm. well, here you go. All right, you
1: pass it on through. Like, You paid them so much, now they think they work for you, and they're following you around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right, like, things the, like that. Also that's even, and it
0: may not be... It may not necessarily be pay. Like That's a, a, an example. Think about the, the Shadowrun game with the biker gang. Oh, yeah. Right? You got this biker gang, and it's getting tenser and tenser and tenser, and all of a sudden, it turns into a who-can-show-off-tricks-on-the-road battle.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all made sure our seatbelts were very tight for what our, yes. r- our <laughs> driver did there. Yes, because, you know, doing 360s
0: on the freeway. Uh, In a van. Fun. In a van. All sorts of fun.
2: Well, and it also goes back to the whole, you know, thing about the dragon. Is, yeah, the dragon probably has all the money he needs, but there's probably something that he wants because everyone wants something.
0: If nothing and, else, he can always want more.
2: Yeah. And so you just go, well, well, look, what can we do to help you out? And it's like, well, I need someone to do this for me.
3: I'm feeling a so, bit like, peckish.
2: <laughs> well, hey, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get you a whole herd of cattle. Cause, I mean, yeah, like, I
0: know a guy who does sheep. Let yeah. me get
3: you some sheep.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, you could eat us right here. But that's a whole lot less food than a whole herd of cats.
3: And we forgot to bring ketchup.
2: Yeah.
0: And we are
1: pointy. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be unpleasant.
2: We are pointy. We will stab
1: you. We, we will not go down easily. The, but, the fire like, potions may give you indigestion. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, we get to use the potion mixing rules because our bard is loaded down and <laughs> yeah. it's just unpleasant.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and it's, just, it's just like, yeah, it's like, look, hey, we might not be able to defeat you, but we can make it hurt. Right. Or cows, which is better.
0: I like that. Yeah. <laughs> this gets, I think, to a player problem, which is players need to be willing to not immediately treat everything as a combat encounter. Some of that is training, like we've talked about. If the GM trains everyone to think, ooh, combat, you're going to get that. But
2: a guy is in front of you. I hit him with my sword.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: And again, (laughs) I've played in that game and I've run that game and it gets tedious. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem is you get in a rut, Mm -hmm. right? I, I, as a player, I I was bored with the game, but I didn't change any of the behavior in it because uh, what we did, It, it was the game. We talked for a bit, and then there was the combat of the night.
3: I think the easiest way to encourage nonviolent approaches to things is to use some kind of rule set that allows for it. Either the game has it built in, Mm -hmm. or it's something that you pulled from some other game and bolted onto your system. Uh, It could even be just a track where they tick off a number of boxes of how much they like somebody and so it's a positive modifier whenever they're dealing with them positively and it's a negative modifier whenever they're trying to do something violent you know
0: yeah at the very least when you're starting a game try and focus on the personality of the character and the decision tree for the characters like you know if I'm presented with this how do I react if I'm presented with this what will I think instead of oh look in this Combat situation, I get a plus two, and that's awesome. If you're focusing on character features that relate to combat, that's what you're going to think about going into the game. Uh, and I say this as somebody who frequented the D&D optimization boards a lot. When that's all you're thinking about, that's what you make. You munchkin.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> These guys can tell you about Chuck. <laughs> to use another example from one of our group's other games, in the Inspector's game, Ozzy is the only one who really knows how to fight it all. Yeah. And so far he really hasn't much.
0: Well, two sessions. Let's let's not go overboard here, but it's not going to come up much in that game because none of the human bad guys there are interested in fighting with you at all. You might run into an angry drunk once because it's downtown Charleston and there are bars. That's yeah, as close as it's going to get.
1: <laughs> more often I'm or more likely I'm going to run into one hanging out in a dumpster
0: the game is not set up for that now you know will there be werewolves leaping out at you at some point probably but you've got a blogger a elderly ish technician who yeah he's got some combat training but that was a while ago and his back's acting up
1: yeah (laughs) you
0: know and a theater tech (laughs) you got somebody who specializes in building sets
3: yeah. Sounds like the beginning of the joke.
0: It, it kind of does, but... And it kind of plays out
1: like that, too, actually.
0: <laughs> that's not a combat group. And it wasn't set up as a combat group. If we'd set it up as a special forces team, guess what the game was going to be about?
1: Yeah. It would That'd be about like selling the, tutus. The GURPS game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By and large, it would have been a combat game. Tutus might have featured in once, but that's the bull in the china shop thing, and it's a lot of fun. Yes, But yeah, Devin, to get back to your point, I think the system does matter a lot. If the system is all about combat numbers, what are people going to focus their attention on?
3: Yeah, and there's a reason why we play games, why we play these role-playing games instead of just sitting around telling stories. Uh, We like the storytelling aspect of it, but then we also like the game. We like messing with the numbers. We like rolling the dice. That's an important part Mm -hmm. of it. So if you can take that non-violent conflict interaction, that social interaction, or even mental mental conflicts, and put some more system on it, that's going to encourage the people to grab onto it more because they're going to get to roll those dice. They're going to get to play with numbers. They're going to get to use cool little feats and tricks that they have on their character sheet because that's part of the reason why we love the game so much.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more.
3: Smallville is one of my favorite games ever, and you're two primary stats that you have on your character don't say combat at all They're values and relationships and it's amazing
0: huh all right well i think this is a good place to wrap this up devin thank you so much for coming on it's been a lot of fun great conversation well, thanks for having
3: me i enjoyed it Yep.
0: Good. And once again, uh, where can people go to f- listen to Sharkbone?
3: I uh, They can go to sharkbonepodcast.com, uh, subscribe through iTunes, and I just got the podcast on to Stitcher. So if you good. use Stitcher, you can uh, get it through there. I don't use Stitcher, so I'm going to have to figure all that out.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, listen, thanks again for coming on uh, from all of us here at Saving the Game. Have a good one. Take it easy. You too. Thank you very much. See you all later. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. This podcast episode is a production of Saving the Game and may be redistributed under a Creative Commons non-commercial non-derivative license so long as appropriate credit is given. Our music is by Ryan Humphrey. Saving the Game is syndicated through inroadsministries.com, rpgpodcasts.com, stitcher.com, and iTunes. To hear past episodes and to connect with us or our community of listeners, visit our website at savingthegamepodcast.org. God bless and happy gaming.